brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. You know who I can do without? I could do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. They never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. And now, on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Loose Cannon. I'm your co-host, uh, Alex, the producer, joined with Aaron Pauly. How are you doing, Aaron? Uh, I'm Aaron. Yeah, I'm doing okay. <laughs> I guess I'm doing okay <laughs> after these two movies. Yeah, uh, I had no idea what these were before seeing like the posters and like the covers of the DVDs. Okay, and I went, I went. You know what? Let's pair them together. They look like interesting sci-fi '80s movies, uh, and they're interesting. Uh, I'll say that. <laughs> so we're talking about a pair of movies. One is called Rotor, uh, also known as uh, Blue Steel, but it had to change its name because of the much more popular Jamie Lee Curtis movie that came out around the same time. Yeah. Um, and there is no way that anybody was going to, you know, be confused or, or, or think of like this movie when they thought of Blue Steel. So it, it goes by a few different names, but Rotor uh, is the, I guess, the most common international name for it. And the other is Megaforce. Uh, so let's probably, let's start with, let's start with the bad, like they're truly bad. <laughs> so let's go with, let's go with Rotor. I'll, I'll say this the i knew we were in for something terrible when it opens up with uh a lot of uh, of like explained dialogue on the screen without like talking to you you have to just read it all oh yeah yeah when it's just written out in in text so you, it, you have like, like the setting explained and the and the setting is kind of like it, it's meant to be something like robocop it's like RoboCop meets Terminator in that they they show like a really low budget uh, Terminator skeleton, but it looks a lot more like uh, 
Well, the sidekick character from Craig Ferguson's late night show that he had for like oh, 15 yeah. years. Well, you, you did know that it's a model. The the little exoskeleton that they made is a model maybe a foot tall at most. Yeah, it looked odd how like it clearly looked really zoomed in. Well, it was it was not only really zoomed in, but you can see flathead screws in it. Oh. And they're huge. <laughs> like... Yeah, anyway, it, you can tell how small this thing is and that it's all stop motion. And fair enough, stop motion, you know, it, it, it takes a special kind of talent uh, to do that. Yeah, um, 1987, you know, that was kind of the limitation. They had to do stop motion for that sort of thing. Yeah, it, that that wasn't too bad. Like, that that really wasn't too bad. The movie has many greater sins to it than <laughs> a bad stop motion robot. Do you think, like, I looked at, I was trying to figure out the company at the end that it mentions. Um, oh, what was the production company? It listed a company that I was like, it sounds like a film school or an acting school. Tried to put it together. Um, even though Manson it, International and West Winds Pictures. Okay. Because it, it just, it, you know what I mean? It looked like they gathered local actors and every single actor, well, maybe not every, like 90% of the actors are overdubbed with a different actor's voice. Yeah, because nobody came back to do the, um, do the <clears> overdubbing. Dubbing. Yeah. And, and there are very few people in this movie that actually are well-known outside of this movie. Very few. Well, there are zero, uh, uh, like, blue links on they're the, like the wikipedia site for it mm-hmm. like none of none of these people like i'm even looking the the director nobody not a single person that produced this has a link to anything on the wikipedia yeah, yeah. the 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 director the director did a couple other things um believe it or not he's a director for uh well he he did a lot of art for different kids tv shows Okay, because it has an amazing poster. How much do you want to bet that the 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 poster was drawn by the, the director? Oh, it's not. It's ripped off of unused art from Mad Max. You can tell that looks like Mad Max's oh, movie poster. Oh, I can see that. I can see that now when I look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's also it's a little bit of Judge Dredd in this. But but what I find most funny about this movie, other than the the, the really bad overdubbing, is. <sighs> How cheap, like, this looks like it was, fil- like, I said in a, in a, a chat that with you and, and Michael that it looks like it was filmed with the budget for a Happy Meal. Because, like, the rotor uh, is, it's supposed to be a, a new police force. Yeah. Uh, made, made of, of, <clears throat> um, of like, it's RoboCop. RoboCop Terminator mm-hmm. uh, with, with a bit of Judge Dredd because, uh, for some reason, when uh, the eventual robot uh robot terminator policeman uh gets a physical body and gets activated he immediately goes and gets a uh, a motorcycle that has rotor on it and below it it says uh what was it to um to judge and execute yeah or judge and execute mm-hmm. and it's like but that wasn't part of so like that wasn't supposed to be even part of the police program yet somebody painted that on the side of the the vehicle and i might add very poorly mm-hmm. you could see the stencil lines from where they they tried to spray paint it on yeah i mean the whole point of rotor is that he's still like in the experimental phase and he's put 
forth by like politicians to basically be activated too quickly. And then there's an accident which actually activates him too quickly. So uh, there's like, they're trying to double up on, on certain plot aspects, I guess, or there's certain aspects of this film that don't need to happen for it to progress through the scenes. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, Rotor is unfinished. He's basically crazy because he's, he's used the um, mental engrams of his inventor, Barrett cold iron. Um, and so it's already like who we should mention is a police captain and brilliant scientist who does two jobs. Not only a brilliant scientist, brilliant engineer, world renowned robotics engineer, um, multi multimillionaire, super wealthy, who also just happens to be a police captain. So you have aspects of RoboCop Terminator in this, and then you also have aspects of the ultimate computer from Star Trek. Because this is this is also Daystrom downloading his like mind patterns into a computer, and then the computer goes crazy because it, it doesn't really understand everything. Cold Iron does the same thing in this. And yeah, it, it views any crime as uh, capital punishment crime. Yes. So it's just going to kill anyone that does even something slightly, you know, like we see him kill a dude because he was speeding. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm getting to is this movie is, I think, it says 90 minutes. It was like 82 minutes long or something. Yeah. And uh, in that 82-minute runtime, it's got about 30 minutes of actual plot. Yeah. Uh, this this felt even like the tone was all over the place. Yes. But what it really felt like, it felt like a segment from Creepshow or from... Like, and the reason I say that in versus Twilight Zone, it has a lot of the weird, like, fourth wall breaking, goofy moments that Creepshow had. Like, very, like specifically, almost the uh, Stephen King segment. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. there's, a, there's a there's a dude with like super fake buck teeth. Mm-hmm. You can see the fake buck teeth. There's moments where like people turn to the camera and and you know make a joke. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. There's the uh, the the African American uh, cop in the that that he bumps into Rotor and he's like making like weird jokes that don't make sense. Yeah. The um, jive talking uh, Native American guy who's really poorly hitting on uh, a scientist. That yeah. Like oh oh god that was uncomfortable that was really <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, the robot. <laughs> is arguably and not not rotor but the robot the police robot that's just helping around the precinct is arguably the best character of this film yeah willard the robot which it it looked like a mixture of the robot from uh rocky four or rocky was it yeah rocky four i think yeah uh rocky four uh something from um mst3k mm-hmm. and uh and uh the village people with like a, a really really cheap looking 1950s or 19 yeah like 50s policeman's hat yeah and he had like um air duct for a neck uh yeah it was god and, and the thing is whoever <laughs> they got to voice him the robot has more personality and humor than any of the human characters in it it it, it sounded like they maybe got a local stand-up comedian to do the voice maybe 
He's like asking, hey, are you going to finish those fries? Or going, God, I hate my job. I just want to quit. What the hell am I going to do with my it, life? And it, it's, it's a the robot. Voice of, the voice of reason was the, the crappy looking robot. Yeah, yeah. He was, And supposedly he was a real robot that actually helped in around Dallas, police departments around Dallas for like public outreach. Believe it or not, like the, the oh, you know, I could I could see that like for showing up at schools and having talking to the kids and stuff, and they just have somebody like use a probably had a speaker built in where they could have somebody like use a wireless mic to talk through it, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can see that. So they did everything dirt cheap. Like the most of this movie is an innocent woman fleeing from Rodor, uh, and then finding out that you can use loud noises to scare the robot yeah and he'll freak out yeah yeah and you know is she really innocent she did speed so according to rodor that is a death sentence well it's it's she was an accomplice to uh to a traffic violation well that's that's true but then she speeds to get away so she's resisting arrest and speeding at that point so yeah. you know like it, it gets well, weird right from a technical and then, level and then we have uh uh rotor 2 uh created by uh by the other designer there's there's two main scientists that are working on the designs uh and she is sent in to kill some for some reason rotor has green blood um <sighs> yeah i don't know <laughs> it's a, it's a it's yeah whatever but uh what i just i find <laughs> funny is like the helmet that rotor wears yeah has an has a really cheap like dollar store like not even dollar store like when you put a quarter in an old uh uh like gumball machine you get like one of those stickers of a, of an american eagle that's like semi shiny yeah 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 it's prismatic it, it's, yeah yeah it's that and it just says rotor below it on both sides and the helmet and it's and it's not even like straight like it's it's kind of a crooked sticker on the side of the helmet and see he doesn't even look like a robot really he's just like your regular cop with a cop mustache from the 1970s yeah. and yeah, he he looks like somebody just named like Jake, yeah, or or or, or like like uh, Jonathan, who happens to be you know a, a motorcycle cop. Yeah, yeah, and he and he and he's tired with his life. Yeah, Sergeant Sergeant Houlihan, he's done. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, well, he's had it with these oh, speeders. He, yeah, we we yeah we we sent him to highway patrol, or we sent we sent him to the bike patrol because there were too many incidents of him, you know bad-mouthing people while uh while on, on the regular beat <laughs> yeah but that's that's what rodor comes off as not as like a terminator even though there are a couple like really funny scenes of him acting like a robot like right after he gets activated he just like walks directly towards a, the door to leave and goes through a whole bunch of chairs knocking him to the side like he does not care he's going on this straight line yeah and, and to <laughs> hell with everything and when he like he uh, busts open like uh, what's supposed to be uh, magnetically sealed doors. Yeah, and he just he pushes real hard and it makes a sound effect, and it's just it's literally regular double doors. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or when he fights the people in the uh, in the the biker bar, and then he just like steps on a guy's chest and it makes a crunch sound, but it, <laughs> it but the guy flinches below because he's putting all his weight on him. Yeah, and walks on him. <laughs> uh, there, there's there's moments like. Like, just the ridiculousness of all the... It's like they got locals that were there to be like, hey, you want to film a scene for a movie? Mm -hmm. And they, they threw them in. And just the murders that happen are also really low budget. You do see blood, but like, 
the they break continuity a lot of times with how the camera like like well wasn't that person on the right why are they on the left now <laughs> that sort of stuff the incredible incredible opening sequence with him slowly walking out to feed his horse coffee in the morning <laughs> that takes like 10 minutes to get through where nothing's happening and you're like what I, I, the hell well, and i knew after that long long intro with all the text i knew it was going to be bad when i'm like oh no we haven't seen the lead actor yet and they're they're doing this like two minute segment of slowly moving across his room showing every product and everything that they have at getting to him making his coffee doing his narration where they're trying to sound philosophical and brilliant but it sounds ridiculous because the guy's got a fake Texas accent. Yeah. I will say that out of all of the people in this movie, I think like the wife that is the accomplice quote unquote to the speeding incident. I think she's not a bad actress. Like I think she did yeah. okay with the stuff that she had. It, it would have been nice if they, you know, let her speak her own voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, but I mean the, the way she looked like it wasn't too over the top. It made sense for like her reactions to things. It, it made sense. But everybody else is just comic book in this. There is yeah. on or off emotions. There's no subtlety. There's uh, people just chewing on scenery for no good reason. Like when the guy gets fired and he just starts yelling at everybody, God damn it, I've had a bad day. And he's stomping through. Like it, it, It's cold iron right in the beginning where he's just yelling at everybody. Yeah, and, and it's, it's just he's the funding is, is there's like corruption fund around the funding of the project and something not right and the movie just ends with him leaving the building doing his little narration about how he's he's got a girl at home and he's gonna he's, he's gonna go to the farm and live a good life and all this and then his boss kills him in front of the police station yeah oh who, okay <laughs> who, who it was never explained if he he's not off the force he's literally his I guess his chief and he just walks out in plain clothes and murders him with a shotgun. Yeah. And in front of the police station. Crazy. And then it cuts to, he didn't get in trouble. He just murdered him in front of the police station. Uh, and, and he, he goes, and that's that and walks away. And then his nephew, who's for some reason going to school in Oxford, uh, gets all of his money and the notes about the project for no reason. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to, and then it cuts to Rotor 2 being put into production. I, jeez. I, <laughs> the, yeah, it's, it's a bad movie. It, to be fair, there, there's no way around it. It is a bad film, but yes. it is so bad it starts getting into the funniness of it. Like, you can yeah, watch there, this and just laugh. There were moments that where it was like, it's so incompetent that I'm like, okay, I'm not bored. I've yeah. got to watch this because I'm not bored. Mm-hmm. But do I want to watch it again? Not unless I'm watching it with somebody that I think is going to throw the what the fuck hands up in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've watched this maybe like three times total over a few years because oh, it yeah. is so bad. And I tend to bring it out when I go, hey, people, this is this is a funny bad movie. Not because it meant to be funny. It's just funny because it's terrible. Yeah. And so even Darlene's just she'll, she'll crack up watching it just because of the, the robot the robot wisecracking like i saw the robot and, and like used my phone took a picture and sent it to you guys and i was like oh this is the kind of movie we're in for yeah <laughs> uh so yeah that one 1987 uh not the best uh robot like when you see this you go oh 
that's why RoboCop is such a good movie because it was filmed on a pretty low budget considering and it's like oh that's what a really good director brings to, <laughs> to it a, somebody a really good director with a vision can take any script and take any project and and if they're committed they can do anything with it a, a good this, a good director and actors that actually care about the project yes, they're in. yes yeah. a good, good good director and actors that can trust the director yeah otherwise uh, this is just oh man yeah so let's move on to what is the better like, question mark film yeah and that's megaforce from 1982 and I saw it. I'm like, that sounds awesome. And then you watched it before me and sent the message. It's, it's GI Joe. And I went, Oh, and I watched it and I went, yes, it's GI Joe. But like two years before GI Joe. (laughs) Yeah. It's GI Joe. If, if it was live action in the eighties. Okay. But it's still basically a cartoon. So yeah, it is live action, but all the characters are about as shallow as possible. And they tend to misuse the actors or actresses that they have in the roles that they have because they don't know how to write anything that's complex. It was like they took a few very well choreographed, like very well planned out um, stunt scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, the and scenes, then wow. everything else was uh, like 30 different scenes written by 30 different people to implement these characters. Yes. And some of the characters are entirely unlikable in my opinion. And so I'll, I'll, I'll go with my, my, my criminally underused person in this film is Persis Kambata. Yes. She uh, is criminally underused in this as, as Zara. Mm-hmm. She, she's supposed to be like the, the, the Indian liaison with, uh, with the British, what is he, Colonel? Yeah, a British Colonel. And if you don't know who she is, she's Lieutenant Ilea from Star Trek The Motion Picture. You just don't oh, recognize right. yeah. her because she has hair here. That's what I kept looking at her. I'm like, I know you from somewhere. And she's a fantastic <laughs> actress. And they give her yeah. nothing to do in this. And this movie cost $20 million in 1982 money. That is insane. Um, I looked it up. That is, with inflation, $59 million now. You could make three movies that look like this for that price. <laughs> there are a lot of vehicles in it. And, and there are a couple things where I will praise this movie. I'm, I'm, can I praise this movie before we really get yes. into the true plot? Yes. yes. This, uh, can I give my biggest praise with this? Okay. Uh, outside, I'll... Like there's things I like that I like because I like how terrible it is. You know what I mean? But sure. the stuff that I, I do like about this, they planned out some really spectacular looking stunt scenes. Yes. The stunt scenes are fantastic. And that's part of one of my things that I would praise with this. The the second thing is the use of actual military equipment is incredible. How much oh, stuff the, they have the, in this. The, the tanks and, and everything. The tanks. The, the the aircraft there's hercules heavy lift vehicles in this um uh, and the, it's not like they're using stock footage they're they're actually like bringing on three hercules and flying them around for this movie and there's like a battalion of tanks out there yeah they're old tanks it's probably like army national guard or something like that but holy crap it, it, it's rare to see that much military equipment 
on display. And you can tell that they're they're not really firing the tanks. There's quick shots of them firing the um the main gun, and you can tell there's a squib in it that's going off. But the point is, yeah. is that when you have like a line of 20 tanks blasting away with good sound effects, with good sound effects, it looks really good. And this is where it gets like, like GI Joe is they, the British troops are in a bit of a stalemate with some countries military where they're not legally allowed to enter into this fake country to, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To overthrow the dictator and its army because of reasons that aren't explained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their solution is we'll do it technically illegally by going to America and hiring the international mega force. Yeah. But <laughs> which we'll do it. Secret, which will do it secretly. Yeah. With their secretly, technology. Secretly. Huge, huge air quotes. <laughs> yes. With their. And. And. I'll, you know what this movie felt like? Hmm. It felt like the G.I. Joe version, uh, even in, in the looks and just overall feel, of uh, what was that Disney movie, uh, The Black Hole? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of Black Hole kind of um, feelings in this with the way they layered in the composited images. It has that kind of yeah. feel. And even like, like the color schemes and everything just looks like and feels like late 70s Disney sci-fi. Megaforce's uh, costumes, their uniforms. God, I hate them. They are, they are, do you know that they were designed by Mattel? Doesn't surprise me. Like the toy company designed these and they look awful. Like their dress uniforms that, that have the big flap. Could you imagine like everybody thought that like TNG had uh, awkward costumes that were hard to wear and, and they didn't, you know, fill out right for people. You had to have a certain body type. Could you imagine us trying to wear those uniforms in this? Oh God, no! I mean, yeah, I, I'm a forty-something guy. I'm not in shape. Uh, I, I'm not like you know hugely overweight, but I'm not in shape. I, but I, I would look I, like I, I was an eggplant in one of those. I, I am, and then I, you would have to have somebody at the hospital peel the, the costume off of me after it like shrink wrapped onto oh, me. Oh God, the sweat because they're out in the desert. Imagine the amount yeah. of sweat in there, and that nothing breathed in those uniforms and and they barely are wearing underwear underneath because you don't see the line and they're skin tight so oh god yeah. the stain yeah yeah <laughs> oh i can't so oh. barry bostwick is ace hunter oh. uh and i'll tell you what's weird is that i have never before this seen barry bostwick without white hair really i mean ever Rocky and I, 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 show. I mean I've never seen that. Yeah, you've never seen Rocky Horror. My God. Okay. No, I don't like musicals. <laughs> See, I hate musicals, but I love Rocky Horror because. So I, I I'm gonna have to watch it at some point. Uh, but like it, it, what's weird is I watched them and I'm like, you know what? I never realized how close his eyes are together. I kept, I could not stop staring at his face because I'm like, his eyes look too close together. Um, it's his Michael feathered Beck. feathered perm hair too that really kind of oh god oh god they tried to give him like chris christopherson hair 
Oh, it's um, it's Knight Rider. It's what's his oh, name? Oh yeah, yeah, Why yeah. Can't Hasselhoff. I... Hasselhoff. It's half Hasselhoff air. That's what oh, it is. Michael Beck is Dallas. So everybody on, on the team, like GI Joe, has they're an international team, so they have the flag of the country of their origin on their left yeah, shoulder. Yeah. Uh, except for Michael Beck, who plays Dallas, because Texas is its own country. He cool. got his own Texas. He, he has Texas a Confederate flag. flag. No, it's not a Texas yeah. flag. It's a Confederate oh, yeah. flag, and he he flies a Confederate flag off the back of his battle yeah. motorcycle. And every time he was on screen, my middle finger was up in the air. <laughs> yeah yeah um that there was uh uh who else was there there was uh the japanese uh gentleman there was uh a mexican dude uh a few other people i'm trying to think there wasn't like their international crack team was like four countries (laughs) yeah there's there's yeah we saw mexican people we saw a couple Japanese oh, people. And there's a French guy, I think. Yeah, French guy. Uh, Edward Mulher is in this movie. I mean, he's he's the French guy, right? He's like the French French general. Yeah. That, that's a Knight Rider um, connection. And I'm trying to think. Oh, and uh, what's crazy is the best casting of this is cast as one of the worst characters. And that's Henry Silva as Guerrero, the bad guy. Oh yeah, he, was, um, he he chewed the scenery. That was great because Henry Silva is for anybody that doesn't know. If you can think of a, a bad guy from the late '60s to like the late '80s, he's like the bad guy for movies. Mm-hmm. Like before it was Ron Silver, it, it was it was uh, Henry Silva. <laughs> uh, probably for our generations, most known as like one of the like the first main bad guy in the. Uh, above the law steven seagal movie yeah and uh, a few other things too but like he's one of those guys when oh um he was i think one of his later films was ghost dog okay um and if you have like he he also was the voice of who he was the voice of bane in all of the 90s batman cartoons oh okay so like he's one of those guys where you'll know him but you don't know his name when you see his face, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. He's a great ba- actor who, who, like, 99% of the time always plays bad guys. Mm-hmm. And in this one, he plays a bad guy who has borderline sexual attraction love for Ace Hunter, his nemesis. Everybody else is a pawn that doesn't matter in his life. But for some reason, he loves Barry Bostwick. Yeah, that gets a little weird. And, and seemingly, like, Ace Hunter loves him. Because he's going to go out of his way to like try to win him back to Megaforce, even though he's like a yeah. villain and he's done awful things. No, he has a place here in Megaforce. Yeah, like they've they've he makes a point of like, oh, I know him. Like, like you did all this research on him when they're doing like when they hire them. He's like, well, he didn't really do research on him. They were like best friends going through military school together. Yeah, and they they almost flirt talking about like a a Zippo lighter when they meet yeah it, that's where it gets very odd yeah and it's like and just like he shows up how they okay they, they do a mission where they have their their uh color changing and like chameleon-esque uh materials on all their vehicles mm-hmm. uh they do their mission they get out uh Guerrera has his his goons his comic relief goons even though this whole movie is comic relief uh go and try to track them down they use a hologram of a woman on a beach to confuse them yeah <laughs> somehow I, I, uh, wow 
<laughs> and then Guerrero just shows up at their base in a Red Cross helicopter. Yeah, and and in any other movie, it would be, oh my god, it's Guerrero. And somebody would walk up and go bang and shoot him in the head. Yeah. It would be over. It would be like, we won. No, he shows up and he's like, Ace Hunter. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and no one does a thing because they know the boss is, is in like a passionate love affair with him. Yeah. And like, they like hug each other and they're telling war story jokes together. And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to give you like 24 hours to leave so that we don't have to fight. Uh, you know, because you know, none of your people matter but I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. And then he's like, well, no, you could like join us. And it's like, what, what is going on with this movie? And uh, even like the, the, the British Colonel is like, look at him like, what are you doing? Letting him be here. Yeah. And, and then they just leave and then they have their big fight. And like in the middle of their fight, Ace Hunter shows up on top of the tank the, that uh, Guerrera is, is in it opens up the tank and they continue their love affair talk during the middle of the battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's he's, it's he's surreal. Like, it's surreal. And then Ace Hunter, they, they're winning, but Ace Hunter leaves on his motorcycle, which has that really cool re- redesigned fa- um, like fabrication around it to make it armor, which by the way, it's not just one vehicle. There's like 10 or 15 of those uh, vehicles they did with it. Like, yeah. For, um, and he then activates rockets and has the worst green screen flying scene I've ever seen in a movie. Worse than anything you've ever seen before it. Yeah. Th- think uh, of the, think of the worst, the worst green screen flying sequence from flash Gordon. And then no, it's far, far worse. It, they literally do stuff like, like they didn't even, you could tell they didn't turn the camera when he's spinning or anything. Yeah. They just literally spliced pieces of the film and then turned that upside down and then re-spliced it into the editing process. So it is the cheapest looking effect I've ever seen. And he flies, lands on the back of the plane. Uh, They land. And then for some reason, they blow up the Colonel's plane. Yeah, for some reason. There's no explanation. And then they just give a thumbs up towards the camera. And then it plays the Megaforce theme song, which they commissioned a a real band to make. Yeah. That real band had that song. And then there was one other one that that actually broke like the American top 100. So like they were a real band for like three or three years. It wasn't like they just got like some nobody. Like this was a band that had records released. I'm like, okay, so they paid for this. And I'm, I was trying to figure out how this movie got made uh, because I saw that it was part of the production was based with uh, Golden Harvest. That's the big Hong Kong company that was huge. Uh, they did all the Jackie Chan movies oh. and all this. They apparently spent $50 million to, to make three pictures at that time. Okay. Uh, and the three pictures were in order, Megaforce, uh, High Road to China, which was uh, a Tom Selleck movie. Okay. And the third one was The Protector, the one that we liked. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So that was part of the package deal. The vast majority of that money went to making this movie. Wow. So it was a a three-picture, $50 million deal with the point of making movies that would appeal to the Western audience and at the same time, um, like, this was supposed to be 
the American movie, like pure American to show that they could make an American movie. Mm-hmm. And then the other two would have ties to or reasons to get you interested in China for like tourism or for uh, promoting Chinese actors. Okay. And it's like, okay, I understand that. Uh, none of them were successful, uh, from what I can tell, except for the Tom Selleck movie. Uh, it made double its money back. But everything else was like, those other two tanked. So I'm like, okay, so that's how it was made. Like, that would explain the, the tone. What I think happened was they filmed all of the stunt stuff and then went, oh my God, we spent like $17 million building these uh, these elaborate vehicles and then filming these, you know, amazingly choreographed stunts for about 10 minutes of footage, mm-hmm. 10, 15 minutes of footage. And then they're like, we got to, we have, we have $3 million to film the rest of this movie, like on location. Wow. So, okay. So like, that's what it looks like to me. Um, and they make a point during the credits to just show the stunts over and over and over again. And then it repeats like the same line from the end of like the movie ends before the credits start. They have their like last lines together. And then the very end of the movie after the credits, they, st- they repeat the exact same scene again to fill out like the last 20 seconds of footage. Yeah. It, it's, it's completely, I don't know. It, it's a cartoon. It's just a live action cartoon. That's, that's how I would describe it. it it's, there's so little there that they try to pad it out. Um, with meaningless repeating or pointless plots that really go nowhere. It, and the, you want to talk about tone being all over the place in the last movie that we talked about. The tone is everywhere here. Like there's parts of this where you're like, if you take it out of context, you're like, this looks like it's pretty serious, cool action movie. And then there's parts of this where you're like, this is so weirdly goofy. Like the, any scene where the, the professor Angstrom shows up, yeah, it's just it's just silly. It's pointless. It's just there for him to make a sarcastic joke uh, at the cast's expense, uh, or or tell a weird like lame dad joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Guerrera is the happiest uh, psychopath I've ever seen. The happiest, most cordial, friendly psychopath uh, dictator general ever. Uh, all the other actors are caricatures. Uh, I, I laughed at a couple moments, like legit laughed, uh, when they're on the plane going for the mission, and uh, the one guy is, uh, I think, doing crossword puzzles. Yeah. And another guy is is tossing knives right next to his head. Yeah. And he's picking up he's picking up the knives and tossing them back, and the other guy's catching them by the blade. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like clearly it was on a string, but yeah. he caught like he did, and they just sped it up. And it's like he's doing it over and over again. And then the other guy um, solves like a Rubik's cube. And the French guy, his character of himself is everything is about women. I could solve that that Rubik's cube, uh, the, the mystery of the cube, in in two seconds if I thought about it like I would think about a woman. Yeah, I could. And it's like what? I just have to use my fingers in a specific way. And oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then the one guy's like the Mexican dude is, is talking to uh, what was it I think it was the Mexican dude talking to the, the Japanese dude and like the explanation for all this is that all Americans are weird yeah and uh, like and, even though I love Persis Kambata in this and she's you know underused by far she's like a caricature as well 
um, because she doesn't even fit her character. Like her character is supposed to be this kind of badass military um, yeah. lady. And she is the most passive woman stereotype that you can, you can think of. Cause she's like, no, I want to go. I want to go on this mission with you. I'm going to prove that I'm like this amazing warrior. And she does like, she, she, she breaks all the records on, on this, like, training program and all that which which uh, their their vr test is three uh three movie screens side by side by side and she sits in a computer it 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 foretold the age of multi-screen gaming (laughs) yeah it did and she's like no i I, so i've proved myself i'm better than a lot of your men and he and barry boswick's like uh sorry sweetheart you still can't go because you're not a part of the team and it'll piss every every other guy off and she's like, okay, I guess I can understand that. And they like almost kiss. Yeah, it's very awkward. And, and, and Boswick's like, you can tell, was it like the character of a person by staring at their chest? Yeah, Jesus. Uh, the character of a man, she's like, or a woman. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, it's like, what is what is going on here in this like clearly pg or g-rated movie that they threw a bunch of weird lines in i mean she's such a good actress too and she just kind of okay i guess i'll stay back have a good time you know uh, i don't know it, it that was terrible it, it felt really sexist even though they were trying to make a point of it it's not about that you're a woman it's just that a, it's that you're not a part of the team yeah and, and maybe we should finish off uh the discussion of this movie by uh, quoting the the line at the end of the movie, even in the 1980s, the good guys always win. <laughs> it was GI Joe. G. It, it was the parody of GI Joe the movie. Yeah. It it's it's just awful. It's just awful. Like there's so <laughs> many. Like when you're watching it, you you go, okay, this. I can do this better. If I changed just this tiny little piece, it would make it better. Um, And and, and the direct, the director of this is not like a nobody. They didn't get like, it wasn't like golden harvest forced uh, a director from Hong Kong who maybe didn't speak English on them to like, that's why they might've had problems. It's, it's Hal Needham who made Smokey and the bandit. um, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like nine or 10 movies with, uh, with, uh, Actually, more than that. Maybe, yeah, maybe about 10 movies or so with Burt Reynolds. Yeah, he's a stunt like, guy. He's a big stunt guy is what he yeah, big, big, Yeah, big stunt guy. I'm trying to think of stuff that he had done outside of movies with him. This is, I think, the only... Is this the only movie? That he directed without? Yeah, no, this and The Villain, which was one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movies with Kirk Douglas. Everything else... Yeah, pretty much every. Oh, and he directed Rad, the the, the, the BMX bike movie where they have the dance scene on the bikes. Oh God! Uh, and he also directed Body Slam. Oh my God, we'll have to do Body Slam at some point. Body Slam is the Dirk Benedict, Roddy Piper, Buddy Cop movie. Well, why don't we do why don't we do Rad and then BMX Bandits? Because I know I've mentioned BMX Bandits before. Yes, we we'll have to do that. I'll I'll, I'll pair those together at some point in the new year. <laughs> yeah, Rad and BMX Bandits. God, oh, oh, and and this is like, oh my god, it's it's so it's so ridiculous. Like so again, it it, it was you could tell 
the parts that Hal Needham were th- thought were important, he filmed early. <laughs> yeah, and he, he, he's like, China's gonna give me, you know, tw- uh, twenty million dollars to to mi- film a movie about uh, the military. I'm gonna do some cool stuff. And he does with all those like yeah. exploding balloons and them having their choreographed races and jumps and, and shooting stunts and all this stuff. That looks great. Uh, and then he's like, "Wait, I have to make a real movie out of this." Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's gonna do it for these two. Uh, both terrible, but both fun for different reasons. Yeah, fun for different reasons. I mean, I, I would watch Megaforce again over Rodor, but that's just because I've watched Rodor like. A, a few times let's put it that way R- rotor is is a harder watch yeah um it, the pacing is slower and the and the like you can't say that nothing is happening in megaforce because things are always happening it's just with rotor nothing really happens like it's, it's 30 minutes of plot stretched thin over 90 minutes in this one there's enough for a movie but it felt like they took 50 percent of the movie to get to the point where the movie starts yeah it almost felt like this would have been good for a TV pilot. Yeah, a TV movie of some sort. Because there's nothing really, like, incredibly yeah, it, offensive in it. There's if, nothing if like... You tr- if you trimmed about 10, 15 minutes, and if you if you made this movie 70 minutes long so it could fit a two-hour TV pilot time slot, and you, you already built all the sets and all this stuff, you could have made a pretty cool action show for the early 80s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because all all the big heavy lifting was done by building the bikes and everything. And then you could just film a bunch of random scenes. It doesn't have to be like a big war scene every time. It could literally be like, they're called in when the police can't do it, (laughs) sort of thing. Yeah, when the world's militaries are unable to act. Megaforce. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, I think, is going to do it for this episode of Loose Cannon. Uh, if If we had to rate the movies, I worth watching. I don't know if I'd buy any of them. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say either one of them is worth buying, but if I like recommend, not recommend, I don't think I'd still even recommend either. It's <laughs> like, ironically, yeah, I'd recommend both because they're, they're both terrible. But if you enjoy crappy movies, give them a shot. If you are expecting like an actual entertaining piece of fiction, no, no, the, these are not it exactly so uh for uh this week in geek we have been i'm aaron pollier and alex the producer will be back with more hopefully some good (laughs) good ridiculous forgotten films the next time uh so uh this is probably going to air in the new year sometime so we will be back sometime in january are either one of these any good sir what are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Quick! Change the channel! You're wasting your life making shit! Nobody cares! These movies are terrible! You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Thanks for listening to this episode of This Week in Geek. Hungry for more? Check out our website at thisweekingeek.net. You can subscribe to the podcast, browse our Twitter and Instagram, and leave your thoughts on today's topics. If you'd like to give us some feedback, send us an email at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. Tune in next time, and remember, lower your shields and surrender your listenership. We would be honored 
if you would join us. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.